Well, think about how God set out the Passover and communion as a context for people to come and find him. In fact, later there would be things called synagogues where the Jewish people would invite Gentiles, those who didn't believe in their God, to come and ask questions and share doubts and wonder about what's this really mean for them. In fact, that's really what our church is about. How do we create environments where people who may not believe the way we believe or may have never checked out the Bible or Jesus or the cross before? Well, they've heard about communion or the Eucharist, but they've never had an opportunity to ask questions and discover what it really means to commune with God. In fact, I got an opportunity about a month ago to sit down with my friend Liz. And Liz has had an incredible journey of finding God through the environments and the friendships she's discovered here at Horizon. I'd love for you to hear her story together.
You know, I loved hearing Liz's story. I had been part of several stages of that, but to hear it in one sitting was just so encouraging. It reminds me of what we do, why we serve, why we create environments, why we build friendships, why we do church. It's so people can come to find who God is in their life in a very comfortable way. And often that happens in the context of friendships, right? Do you have a a group of people who know you, who know about you, that you can share what's really going on in your life. And maybe you've never been in a small group. And hearing Liz's story, you're like, I want to sign up for one of those. We're going to be launching our men's group in April again with Ken Kington. If you want to sign up for that men's group, say, I would just love to have somebody I can bounce ideas off of and, and ask some questions about the Bible together. And again, as you're serving around here or giving financially to Horizon, again, it's just a reminder that what we do really matters. It's making a difference in people's lives. Well, today we're looking at uh, Psalms 115. We've been going through a series of the Psalms of Easter, otherwise known as the Hallel songs, the songs that would be sung by Jesus and his disciples as they were making their way to Passover and then at the actual Passover meal. Today we're in Psalms 115, but before you picture the, the Passover meal, These are called the Ascent Psalms because these are songs that people would sing as they were ascending up the road to Jerusalem. So imagine yourself on the road. It's called the Jericho Road. If you look in the bottom of the screen, you'll see a group of people making their way, traveling together, ascending up to Jerusalem. Often you would go as a family. And as a family, you'd be singing with your kids, Psalm 113, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all you people. Praise him for who he is, wherever, and for whatever he has done. You would then be singing as you made your way through the valleys, thinking about forgiveness, thinking about God's provision. You would sing of the God who exited us out of Israel. You think about the Red Sea that split and the Jordan that was crossed when God fulfilled his promises. Now, years later, it would be not just Jews, but Gentiles traveling this road. Think of Paul the Apostle, who ended up leading people like Lydia, a seller of purple, a Gentile to Christ, an Ethiopian eunuch traveling up these roads. Jews and Gentiles alike suddenly come up over the horizon. They see the walls of Jerusalem, and they've got their lamb with them. They remember how God provided in the past, but also they're anticipating the, the freedom that comes, the joy that comes from knowing that God has passed over their sins. That's what we're going to discover today in Psalm 115. The power of singing together and, and communing together and asking questions together as we travel toward the journey of more deeply understanding God's forgiveness for us. Now today we're in Psalm 115, and what we're going to discover as we unpack these verses together is that we become, like we actually become something. We we become who we hang out with. You hang out with God long enough and his communicable attributes, his grace, his patience rub off on you. You catch it. We become who we hang out with. We also become what we give attention to. The more we focus on something, we become more like it. And we also become where we find peace. The thing we give attention to, the place or person we hang out with, and where we find peace is who we ultimately become. 
And so as we look at that together, we're going to examine three prayers. Three prayers that flow out of this song that I hope can shape you and shape me and really help us find our purpose for life. What does God want us to do while we're here on this earth? Now our first prayer is an important one because it really does speak to that idea of what's the purpose that we're here for? What does God want to do in and through you and I? Here's the prayer. God, help me bring attention to you for those who are giving attention to me. Right? In your life, based on your platform, your stage, your influence, there's people giving attention to you. Some are friends, some are employees, some are clients, some are kids. What if you looked at your influence as an opportunity to give attention to God to those who are giving attention to you? And Psalm 115 launches directly into that. It says, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us. God, I don't want to bring the attention to me. It's not about me. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name, give glory. The word glory literally means to give weight to. When I'm in a situation, when people are seeing me, seeing me act, seeing me react, are they seeing the God I serve? Am I bringing attention to his patience, his kindness, his love, and his mercy? I want to give glory or attention to him. Why? Because of your truth, because of your mercy, do people see me acting in a merciful way because I know a God of mercy? Do they see me guided by truth because I know a God of truth? Why should the Gentiles say, now there's this emphasis on the Gentiles, those who don't believe the way the Hebrews believe. Why should the Gentiles say, so uh, where's your God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Now, why is this important? It's kind of weird, right? You got Jewish people celebrating a Jewish festival of of Passover, and they're thinking about the Gentiles, those who don't believe the way they believe, and saying, we want people who don't believe the way we believe, who are asking questions, hey, where is your God anyway? To know that our God is a God of spirit, who can live inside of anyone. Now this becomes historically true in 100 BC. In 100 BC, General Pompey makes his way to Jerusalem and he has seen the devotion of these Hebrews. He's like, wow, they are committed to their God. They get unbelievable courage and strength. At 100 BC, he can't wait to crash through the walls and get into that temple and find out what their God looks like. Where's their God? He's seen statutes of Zeus, and statues of Apollo from the Greek and Roman gods. I wonder what this God must look like that these Hebrews serve, because I've seen how they're living it out. I wanna know what their God is like. He busts through the walls in 100 BC, makes his way into temple, and he opens up the temple and he finds nothing, nothing. It's like there's a candlestick and there's an altar and there's like a curtain, but even the Ark of the Covenant is gone at this point. He's so struck by the invisible God of the Hebrews, he doesn't destroy their temple. He cannot believe that an invisible God with no statues or idols could inspire such devotion. They were living in such a way that people were giving attention to their invisible God in heaven, but they could see how he was impacting people who followed him. 
Think of it this way. When you're praying and saying, hey God, I wanna bring attention to you, it's almost like a, a flashlight. You're saying, hey God, I, I don't want my life to be about me. Look at me, look what I've done, look at all the wonderful things I'm doing as a boss, as a parent, as a contributor. Instead, I want to almost move the light off myself onto God. Oh my goodness, I, it's not that I was patient today, it's I have a God who's patient. Well, it's not that I, I'm that wise, man, I serve a God who's wise. Giving glory to or giving attention to, it's almost like keeping the spotlight where it belongs. I was talking to my friend Kevin recently, and Kevin has really just had a brand new excitement about bringing attention to God. He's a professional, he's got a big job, a lot of influence, and a lot of people who see how he reacts in meetings, in business, as a friend. Well, a buddy of his is not necessarily a believer in Jesus, God, or the Bible, but he's been recently asking questions. What really matters? I've got success, I'm thriving, I'm surviving, but I just feel like there's more. Well, my friend Kevin felt prompted to say, well, do you feel like you have a personal relationship with God? Some of the things you've observed in me, so the questions you've asked me about how I find meaning and purpose really come from a personal relationship with God. I said, ah, I don't know if I want that. I talked to my parents about that. My mom got into that thing years ago and she's like, nah, it's not worth it. Let the religious people take care of that stuff. You don't have to worry about it. And my brother said the same thing. And Kevin uh, was texting back and forth with his buddy. He's like, you know what? These questions really matter. Glory, how they have weight. These things really matter. How about don't take somebody else's journey and make it your own, be it your mom or your brother. Why don't you go on your own journey? So they were talking back and forth over several months and his friend was like taking a walk around the lake one day and he texted Kevin back. He said, I think you're right. I think I want to know God personally, even if other people maybe don't. And Kevin called and interacted with him and taught him how he could reach out to God and ask God to be his forgiver and his leader. And he's like, I was so glad I had the boldness to ask that question. You know, before I felt like maybe I probably should, but I'm not going to. But I'm starting to see my life can have significance and purpose when I see I'm in these situations to bring attention to God and help people find the God that I know. So that's our first prayer. How do we give attention to those who are giving their attention to us? So let's look at our second prayer together. Our second prayer is not just who we give attention to, but it's saying, God, help me to identify my replacement gods. What are the things in my life that I have been giving attention to or finding peace from that aren't you? And Psalms 115 addresses these replacement gods that the Bible calls idols. Here they are. Their idols, talking about the Gentiles, where they're finding peace and where they're finding joy is their idols. And their idols are made out of silver and gold. It's the work of men's hands. They have mouths. Oh, they carve in a mouth, but they don't speak. They got eyes, uh, but they can't see. Their idols have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they can't smell with them. And they have hands, but they can't handle anything. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Oh, almost sounds like Yoda. Mm, feet they have, but they cannot walk. No, and, and, and nor do they mutter through their throat. So what's he saying here? He's saying the Gentiles serve gods without a doubt, but their gods are inadequate. Their gods look, they have all the parts, but they can't function. They can't give 
the people what they need, peace and meaning and purpose. Our God is a living God. And God, in the same way I can identify all the problems in other people's gods, I wonder what my replacement gods are. What are the things I have a tendency to turn away from God and find my identity or my hope or my peace or my comfort in? Now you kind of look at this and you're like, oh, those silly people back then bowing down to their, their carved wood and their carved rocks. Oh, thank goodness we've progressed past that, right? But have you ever noticed like how similar the gods are in every culture through every time? So the minute you laugh at another culture, you go, oh, wow, we just have a different form of it. Think about like from the Canaanite gods to the Greek and Roman gods, to what you and I value today to replace God, they're pretty much the same. Remember Baal? Baal, or, or Zeus, the God of the heavens who controls all things. It was really the God of work because they worked agriculturally and he was the God who made sure your crops came up. The God of work, well, no one worships work over, oh, well, maybe, right? Or, or let's take the God of death, Mot, I'm the Canaanite God, to Hades from the Greeks and Romans. Well, how many of us are scared to death of death? We find ways to put that off, to medicate that, to not think about that. But really mortality, how are you going to and who you're gonna trust to defeat death? It's always been a question. How about Yam? We learned a little bit about Yam. Uh, in the Greeks, he was called Poseidon, but it's the God of chaos. How many of us turn to something to deal with inner chaos? We don't like our inner worry. We don't like our, our inner fear, our butterflies. And so we medicate it with alcohol or pornography or overeating or overspending. But it's really looking to something to deal with our inner chaos. It's the same thing people have been struggling with and looking to other places for for centuries. How about Leviathan? Leviathan, the God of control, the God of fear. How do I, how do I deal with fear in my life? How do I control things I can't control? And, and in the Baal story, in the Canaanite myths, we got his sister and his mom. Anet, and in the Greek gods, Athena, the god of war and power. Oh, <laughs> well, it's not like we'd worship or replace God with a need for power or battling o- over people, huh? Yeah, I think I value power more than the God of the Bible sometimes. Or Baal's mom, Asherah, in the Greek-Roman myth, it's Eros, but the God of sensuality. How often do we replace devotion and peace of the God of the Bible with sensuality or pornography? Or lastly, again, is it work? Is it work? Is it power? What are the replacement gods you have found that maybe you're turning toward for peace, you're turning toward for, for power, Instead, God wants you to find your peace in him. It's interesting that these songs were sung at Passover because Passover is ultimately about how God conquered and defeated the gods of Egypt, right? Each of those 10 plagues came against an actual Egyptian god. God was trying to defeat the replacement gods so that the people, Jews and Egyptians, by the way, would come and find him. Now he picks up on this in the book of Exodus. Because in Exodus, he references this idea of Passover, but then in 1 Corinthians, Paul, in talking about the Last Supper, references that even the Last Supper's focus on, 
on God's power through communion is really about God defeating foreign gods. The spiritual powers or demonic powers behind the idols in our life. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20. Again, talking about communion. He says, rather, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, so they sacrifice to their gods, they sacrifice not just to some statue, not just to some you know, piece of wood they carved out, they're actually sacrificing to demons. Mm, that doesn't sound good. And not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Those are pretty strong words. But what he's saying is, that when you worship something that's not the God of the Bible, you're giving your allegiance to something that's not God, another spiritual force. And that's really what the Exodus was, was a change of allegiance from your allegiance to the Egyptian gods to your allegiance to the God of the Bible. Now, my dad was a sixth grade teacher, and so for years, everyone said the Pledge of Allegiance. He's like, Chad, I had them write it out one day, all these sixth graders. What is the pledge you're pledging to? He said, one of the kids came up and was like, here's the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, to the republic where witches stand. Where witches stand, I don't think that's what we're supposed to be pledging to. But that was the idea that he was just kind of giving his pledge and repeating something he'd heard for a long time. God wants us to think about the, the habits we've had, the things we've leaned into for peace, that maybe we're giving our allegiance to spiritual forces that aren't God. That's why in Colossians chapter 2, 12 and 13, it says that we get our forgiveness, we get our trespasses cleared away. We're made fully alive in God. Jesus who triumphed over all principalities and powers. When Jesus died on that cross, he was defeating and putting on public display all the spiritual forces behind the Romans. The spirit of fear, the spirit of death, the demonic activities who were animating those Romans. And the word used here is triumph. It was a, a word used by Greek and Roman generals. When the Greek and Roman generals would make their way into town, it would be in a triumph of showing how they had defeated their enemies. Jesus and Passover and the celebration of Psalms is trusting God to defeat and to come against the idols in your life and mine. Let's look at our replacement gods, repent and turn back to the God of victory. So what's our third prayer? Well, the third prayer comes out, comes out of the next verse. God, help me to become what I worship. Now, in one sense, this is gonna happen. You always become what you worship. So the question is, what are you worshiping? What are you giving worship to? What do you see as valuable, the thing you go to when you're having a bad day? That's what you worship, and that's what we become. Here's how he says it. Those who make them, those idols, are like them. You worship work, you end up becoming obsessed with work and you sacrifice everything else. Uh, you worship your health, uh, that's great, but you will sacrifice hobbies and relationships if that becomes what you worship. Is it money? Is it status? Is it people's approval? You become the thing you worship. And only when God is the, the center of what you worship worthship, everything else, health, status, approval, work, finds its proper place. So that's the idea here. Those who make them, the Gentiles, have become like the very things they worship. 
In contrast to that, I want to help them find the true source of meaning and purpose. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. However, oh Israel, trust in the Lord. Let's not trust in, in idols. He is their help and their shield. This is like the chorus to the song. He is their help and their shield. Oh house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. There's kind of the verse. He is our help and our shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is our heart and our shield. So he's telling himself, I want to become the thing I worship. So Aaron, Israel, let's focus on, let's give worth to, let's give worthiness to the God of the Bible as the center of our lives. The Lord has been mindful of us. Oh, he's up in the heavens. He's thinking about you. He's thinking about me. He's mindful of us. He counts the hairs on our head. He knows the details of our life. He knows our struggles. And more than that, he wants to bless us. He wants to honor us. Now he will bless the house of Israel and he will bless the house of Aaron and he will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Now that word bless, it literally means to kneel and show honor, which is amazing. Like what kind of a God kneels and shows honor to the people he made? We see that in Jesus, don't we? Jesus comes to earth. He gets down and kneels down and washes the feet, blesses, serves, takes care of, shows honor to those that he made. Though he deserves blessing and honor, he gives blessing and honor. This God is not like the gods of the Canaanites or the Greeks or the Romans or the Egyptians. This is a humble, other-centered God who wants to bless you and wants to bless me. So may the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children, may you be blessed. You see the theme of blessing comes over and over again? When you put God in the center of your life, you're blessed because everything else can take its proper place. You'll be blessed by the Lord. He made heavens and he made earth. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of men. God wants to bless you and bless me by allowing us to become the thing we worship. That's blessing. God will lift us up as you honor him, the, the source of, of other-centeredness and selflessness. You become more selfless. You become more other-centered. Instead of being caught up in pride or arrogance or fear, you're caught up in how you can be like the God you know. That's the idea of this prayer. I was talking to a woman recently and, and she was having some boundary issues with a family member. And as she was talking to me, she's like, I, I just don't know why I can't set boundaries with this person when I'm so good at setting boundaries everywhere else. So we talked and I listened for a while. I said, well, I can tell you why. Your relationship with your daughter has become an idol. And you'd rather have a dysfunctional relationship with your daughter than to fear losing your relationship with her at all. I like, I don't know about that. So well. I could be wrong. She came back several months later. She's like, oh, you're exactly right. I took a good thing, my relationship with my, my, my daughter and my family, and I turned it into an ultimate thing. And that's why I can't set healthy boundaries because I'm scared of losing even something dysfunctional. And what should I do? I said, well, you need to start by repenting. 
which means turning and saying, hey, I love this relationship. I, I, I love and I want you know, this kind of thing to go well. But God, that's not the center of my life. That's not the center of my gravity. You're the center of my gravity. And, and since you're the center of my gravity, I want to put this in a high place, but not the ultimate place. So you can set boundaries. And you need to know that that, that fear that's coming out of this relationship, that's what's driving you right now, not love. And she got enough courage, and I prayed for her and talked with her and encouraged her to have some of those tough conversations. But she really had to look at the issue behind the issue. How had something good become a replacement God? And what did it look like for her to trust God as her shield and really as her help during this tough situation? So blessing, what does it mean for us to begin each day with a blessing, to think about blessing God? Again, that's the idea. The word blessing is used so many times there that God wants to bless us. And the way you get blessed is by blessing others. God blesses us, we reciprocate, we bless him, he blesses us. It's this other-centered approach. So I want to encourage you to begin each day with a blessing. How do I honor God and lift him up? How do I remember, because I'm lifting God up, it reminds me of how small I am and how big he is. Right? When I honor something, I lift it up to see how big it is. And that idea reminds me of how small and humble I am in the scheme of things. Again, remember, Jesus is singing this song about blessing God and being blessed by God right before he heads to the cross, knowing he's going to die and be raised from the dead. And look at this next verse, right after the blessing. The dead do not praise the Lord, hmm? nor any who go down into silence. So how ironic is that? He's saying, now you guys got these, these dead gods that you know, don't have a mouth and don't have a nose that works, don't have hands that work, and they're dead. And we know that dead people don't praise the Lord <laughs> until Jesus. Jesus died and he came back and God honored him by trusting God. I don't want that cup. Please take that cup away from me, but oh, not my will, but yours be done. He drinks it by surrendering to blessing God and allowing himself to be buried and die. He was honored or lifted up by God and the dead that typically don't praise the Lord praise God in the ultimate way by taking on the silence of death. And then Psalms 115 ends this way. But, though the dead don't, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. It's the calling of this verse. We praise God, we bless God, we begin each day with a blessing to honor him, to see how small we are and how big he is. That he even found a way that the dead could praise the Lord because Jesus came and defeated death to praise the Lord once and for all. Now, as we're going through these Psalms, you might think to yourself, boy, how do I reflect on this, go deeper into this, and maybe even dialogue together with a spouse or a friend or maybe a small group? So we've created a tool to help you kind of take this to the next step. Now, Drew's called it the bonus features of the messages. And I want to show you how to get those. Those are, those are called the pathway. And there's several ways you can get access to the pathway. One of those is going to our website. When you go into our website, right on the front page, you will see links to our exploring service. Right now we're doing Fast Track Bible. 
our equipping service. We're going through Psalms verse by verse. But you'll also see a third box, which is a little two to three minute bonus features video where Drew or I will take the passage of the day, reflect on it, give you some questions, give you some thoughts, and allow you to share that with a friend. In fact, on our app and our website, there's a little share feature that maybe you can share that with a friend who's checking out Christianity. Or maybe you want to sit down in a small group. You can use the video to start the conversation, and then there's a little PDF you can click on to download some questions for your group. The second thing I'd like to mention is that one of the things we love as a church in going through Psalms even right now is to help you and your friends better understand the Bible. So we as a church have divided the entire Old and New Testament into several sections. So as you come kind of week by week, month by month, year by year, we're taking you through the entire Bible. So for example, as we're looking at Old Testament section number four, there's a whole section on prayer and we've been covering Psalms. And so we keep track, 15 years I've been keeping track of what we've covered, what, what we haven't, so that you can be taking yourself through the Bible and understanding what God's doing. And so we do the same thing with the New Testament. So if you want to use our app, both our equipping service and our exploring service, there's a real intentional master's degree going on behind the creativity and behind the daily services. It's helping you understand the entire Bible from start to finish. And then as we plug in those series, we actually keep track of the whole thing. Like for example, when did we cover this in Exploring? Fast Track Bible 2012. When did we cover Genesis 1 in the equipping service? You know, in the beginning in 2008. So if you kind of jump down, you'll see right now, when are we going to cover Psalms? Well, we're currently in the Ascent Psalms, 113 to 118. And here we are, the Songs of Easter 2021. So many people come up to me and they say, Chad, I love coming to Horizon. I love how much I'm learning, and sometimes it's fun to see the the method behind the madness. We want you to fall in love with Jesus, to know God personally, but also to have the full counsel of God. And so we're trying to create tools on our apps, on our websites, these pathway tools to help you and your friends more deeply understand the Bible. So let me pray and ask that God would allow us to pray those prayers and to begin every day with a blessing. Father, thank you for being a blessed God. And thank you for the lives you're changing. Thank you for the way you're you're using our church, online services and services on the weekend and, 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 and portals and websites and apps to draw people to yourself. We thank you for that. We we turn on the spotlight, God, and we make sure it's fully on you. In Jesus' name, amen.